My friends, today we have an incredible episode with Kenzie Evans, and she shares her insights on topics like shame, managing how people perceive us, being compelled versus choosing, practicing saying no, using our voice, and how it's okay to have wants and needs. She highlights honesty, compassion, and grace, as well as collaboration versus competition in your relationships and especially in marriages. I promise you, you will not want to miss this. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Kendra Nielsen. Welcome to Fulfillment Therapy, where you will improve your relationship with yourself, your loved ones, and with God. You'll find healing, wellness, crucial mindset shifts, and self-development help. I'm a licensed therapist, personal trainer, and coach. In this podcast, you'll learn the skills and confidence needed to transform your life from merely surviving to living a fulfilling, flourishing life. You can't reach your God-given potential and become who you were meant to become by remaining where you are. If you're ready, we'll create an ignited life you can't wait to wake up to. And yes, it's possible. It's your time to shine, my friend. This is one of my mantras that I've had for a few years as I've been doing this. I am worth the time, energy, effort, and then recently I added, and resources. I'm worth the time, energy, effort, and resources. Before this practice, I didn't even realize, Kendra, if we take it back to needs, I went to therapy for the first time, oh, three and a half years ago, and I love it. This is me putting a shout out to therapy for all people. (laughs) I think every human could benefit from therapy. Amen. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I just love it. So I went and one of the first concepts that she introduced to me was basic needs. And you'd think it was obvious right? We all have basic needs. So I want to say the list, probably really similar to Maslow's. Yeah. Maslow's good needs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you've got like breath, sleep, water, food, um, activity. And I want to say hygiene. She threw hygiene in there and I'm like, what? That's a need. I didn't even know. I'm like, what? And so she introduced this idea of needs to me that these are things for people to function, to just be able to function at a base level, right? These are things you need in your life. And that has also been a really good barometer for me. Is this a need? Okay. I do need sleep. I'm really tired. So this is kind of cutting into this or, you know, I didn't get any sleep last night because of the baby or because I was sick or whatever, I need a nap today and removing the shame from it because it's a need, right? And so kind of having that list of needs and giving yourself permission to have those needs was really foundational in me giving that self-compassion and removing the shame like you were talking about. Oh, and then along with that, I when I say needs, because sometimes my problem was I would go into the should yeah. I would start shooting on myself. Yeah. 
And so when you look at it as needs, though, you still want to view it as a gift. If you're doing exercise to kill yourself because you think you're not skinny enough or because you think you need to be stronger or you're not good enough, you're not fulfilling your need. You're actually depleting yourself. So looking at it as what is something that I can give to myself that will fill my cup, help me to feel more fulfilled and better about myself Mm -hmm. rather than worse about myself. Something that when I'm doing this, I can smile at myself or I can think positive thoughts while I'm doing it. Um, So that kind of that tying needs as them being gifts that we give ourselves rather than shoulds. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, I wrote so many notes. Kenzie, this is so exciting to me. This fills my soul. You fill my soul. <laughs> oh, you're the sweetest. I kind of wish you were in the States soul right sisters. now. sisters. I know. Okay. You talked about your response a little while ago. For example, going back to the food, it's such a funny one. That first response of me saying no is going to be messy sometimes and going to be hard to say because we're talking about potentially, again, years of resentment or... In my case, my family teases me about food because they know how much I love it. So I think they, no, I don't think, I know. They purposely try to get a reaction out of me by pushing and because they want to see, it's just amusing to them. And I don't blame them. (laughs) And it's going to be uncomfortable to be a little more stern and be like, no, this is just how you said it. This fills my cup. This really fills my cup. This is my need. This is my want. No. And eventually it doesn't have to be so, "Ah!" you know, nails out kind of thing. Well, and I think, I think too, a lot of times we look at it, like you were saying, it's a silly example. I don't think it is. I actually think it's super relatable, whether it's food or treats or alone time, reading a book, whatever it is, these little things that... fill our cups, but that we've been made to feel guilty about. I think that's significant because it's not silly. It's years and years of, that's the thing, Kendra, is they're coming and it's like, this is silly. You shouldn't care about this, but you do. And since this is a relationship, you're coming and you're saying, but I do care about this. It is important to me. And so as relational beings, Let's take care of that. You care about me. You say you care about me. So don't push my buttons, please. Because I can see why it's amusing to you, but it's not to me. Yeah. Right? Because I'm actually feeling it. And I think it's indicative. I think the food example, it's super relatable. But I also think it's indicative of relationships in general, right? The ways that we start being in relation with one another these small things that kind of have those explosive tops, it's just the tip of the iceberg, right? Mm -hmm. But it kind of, these can be clues to, oh, how am I self-betraying in other areas, right? Like, because this is a safer area, right? It's food. It's not, it's not bearing my heart and soul about something that ties to my identity, but it does feel like I'm going to, people will minimize it. I'll minimize it and say it's silly, but it, but it's not because it's kind of a gateway. It's a window into what's going on and what's deeper and what work I can do. Right. I don't usually interject this much, but you have said so many things that are beautiful. 
I will not use it. <laughs> so clues, you talked about clues. It reminds me of the quote, when you get reactive, get curious. You have a wound that is asking to be healed. My response, exactly what you said, like, I kind of feel like I'm in therapy and I love it. It makes me so excited because that is, it's very much this clue. If I'm getting reactive each time, there is this wound that I haven't really explored. And in my head, I'm trying to minimize that and be like, it's silly. It's nothing. This is a me thing. I'm bad. I'm wrong. And yet there's something there that I can explore more. And I think moving aside from the the example of food, a lot of my clients actually show up with this guilt and this response about taking personal time. Moms and wives are notorious, and I'm not excluding men, they also do this, Mm -hmm. for having guilt about taking personal time or having personal passions and interests. So they suppress that over and over. And the result is so sad because they're not filling their cup like you talked about and I'm going to turn this back over to you but I want to repeat your little mantra that I love I'm worth the time energy effort and resources if we could believe that more that is so powerful why I love it is because I feel I feel heavenly father believes that of us right he wants us to know our divine worth and I think so often we've been made to feel small, to take up as little space as possible. But I think what it means to be in divine relationship is being expansive, being who you are. And I've been pondering because we see it in Christ as well. It's, it's there. He has big emotions. He weeps. He is angry he is sad. I would even say, as I studied him in the garden of Gethsemane, he was fearful. Please remove this cup from me. Right. And what I love about it, Kendra, is he's showing us having these things, having these needs, having these emotions are not evil. It's not something that we're trying to avoid either. I don't think that he was trying to avoid it. He didn't come after later and be like, oh my gosh, sorry. Sorry, God. Sorry, Father, that I said that. It was, please remove this cup from me. If there's any other way, please remove this cup from me because this is where I'm at. I feel so heavy, but not my will, but thine be done. Because what I do think he is perfect at is he knows himself so perfectly that he can represent himself perfectly. So he knew I'm overwhelmed right now. Is there, is there another way? And then not only that, he knows himself individually so well, he's honest, he's aligned, he's at one with himself and he can represent himself, the great I am, I am this, but he's also relational. So there's that body of Christ. Here I am, I'm bringing my full self, not my will though, because I also know that this doesn't just impact me. And I know it has a bigger impact on everyone. And I see all of my brothers and sisters as equal to me, as equal to my father in value. And I know that me making this choice, like I said at the beginning, it may be a really difficult choice, but it's from a place of I'm genuinely choosing this and it's building me and it's building the people around me. Right. And 
I think that's the lesson because I feel like there's so much in culture right now. What is popular is to get rid of negative emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think really what I am learning is no, how can we utilize these emotions? I feel like they, all of them are from God, anger included, not to take it out on other people though. Right. Mm -hmm. Again, we're looking at ourselves as equal to others. So if we get angry, if we are reactive, if we get triggered, what does that mean? It's not bad. And you can even express it. I feel, I feel frustrated right now because you're not demeaning the other person and you're not demeaning yourself to express anger is not using anger inappropriately. It's when you harm other people with your anger that it's ungodly. Absolutely. And I think that is the difference is we need, we have to allow space. We can't become like God if we don't ever learn how to even feel these things, right? Yeah. We, if we don't understand how anger works and practice using it in a healthy way, in a productive way, then we won't become like God because we'll never have practice. And I think that's what it means to become like God is to try to do, to experience. Yeah. And it just makes me think you can't process feelings and work through them by denying them. And I think we've yeah. all learned for generations, this is a very much a generational problem to suppress yeah. things. And I think you're absolutely right. I think Christ was the epitome of being able to process and vocalize those feelings. Like he did an incredible job and he modeled that for us. And yet it's still so hard for us to change that narrative that's been around for so long, especially concerning negative feelings. Like these are bad. Don't yeah. talk through these. And don't. evil even, yes. not just bad, but like evil and dark. And not that evil can't be done with those feelings. Right. But I would say that happiness and bliss at the expense of someone else is also evil. And those mm -hmm. are positive emotions, right? right? So I think understanding that God is the creator and I truly believe to become like him, it's our willingness to experience all things, mm -hmm. highs and lows. But I think that that first means we have to explore what that means. I feel hopeful though, because if we can learn that skill as adults, we can give that gift to our children. So then they will be communicating more healthily than we have as adults because they'll have had the opportunities to practice as children. Definitely. It's tricky because we're programmed for so long, even knowing these things. I'm thinking about my parenting. I'm like, I hope that I've t taught them these things. And yet it's hard to say no to sharing my food, you know, like I, I do yeah. want to go back to what you were saying, though, about it's almost like this big picture thing. And again, this is a hard thing to totally understand. But you said even positive emotions or negative emotions, if it's at the expense of someone else, if we're harming someone else in that process, that can also be a negative thing. So looking at that big picture beyond just you, it actually does remind me of Maslow's hierarchy. So you talked about needs. Actually, do you mind if I read some of those off? I pulled up an yeah. image of that. Yeah. The Baseline needs are air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, and actually reproduction. Some of the ones vary on what they think are the bottom ones, but those are the very bottom psychological needs, physiological needs, sorry. 
And then the next one is safety needs. So that's security, employment, resources, health, property. And then there's love and belonging, and that's friendship, intimacy, family, sense of connection. Again, as we meet those lower level needs, we're able to move up that pyramid. Then the next one is esteem. So respect, self-esteem, status, recognition, strength and freedom. And then the last one, which I wanted to tie into what you said, is self-actualization. Desire to become the most that one can become. So this is fulfillment, but this is also really paying attention to that big picture, to other people, to the ripples that we're creating, how we are impacting the lives around us. Do you have any thoughts on that, on those different needs and that big picture? Yeah, I feel too that I want to point out it's not a lack of someone trying, right? Because I think lots of times, like going back to that shame mindset, some people will be like, oh, why didn't I figure this out? And again, that grace of, did I have my physical needs met? Did, have you had your basic needs met? Have you even allowed yourself to see them as needs? Really, I think that was what was so impactful for me with therapy was I finally gave myself space to be like, Oh, this isn't just a want personal space, having your moms who have been touched all day, just having your body to yourself that I would say that that goes under shelter, right? Like feeling safe in your own skin and just being like, I just need some time, right? Allowing ourselves to be like, oh, I'm not being selfish. This isn't something that I'm just like flippantly demanding. And instead really giving yourself space to be like, I want to be optimally functional. I don't just want to be here, right? right? So how can I be optimally functional? And I think giving space for that and recognizing that this is part of the journey. And I think another part too, what you were saying, oh, I hope I did this in my parenting. That's the atonement part, right? right? I think that's the part that brings me so much peace and comfort is we don't have to be flawless in this right? As we try to just be more honest, that's the most important part, right? Is gaining self-awareness and then showing up with integrity. And then as we value ourselves and others equally, we can say, okay, was that fair to me and to them? Was that fair? And so then if your kids come back as adults and they say, mom, you know, when you made me do 42 hours of yard work for service and you said it would build my character well I felt really sad whatever it is right and you instead of getting defensive you can say there's space for your feelings to be here that's okay you know and and be fair to myself I was doing the best that I could and I didn't have all the resources and that's okay And I love you and I hear you now. And that's not something you love. Okay. We don't have to do 42 hours of service. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) Right? I love that example. Make repair. I think that is the biggest gift we can give anyone, right? Is showing up honestly and then accountability, making repair. I think that, okay, as I'm saying that, that's what I feel like agency has really been on my mind. And I feel like there are different facets of it. There's the choice and accountability, right? And so when we use our agency, are we choosing 
to show up as honestly as we can, right? With integrity. And then with the accountability, are we willing to take accountability, to acknowledge our impact, to acknowledge the choices that we made and how they impacted others? And it could still be the right choice, right? It could still be that you feel solid, but you can still have empathy. The story that comes to my mind thinking of the Savior is when Jesus is preaching and Martha and Mary send someone to fetch him because Lazarus is sick. And they're like, you need to hurry and get down here because our brother, he's dying and we need you to heal him, right? And Jesus doesn't go right away. I don't know if it was even possible or if he made a conscious choice of like, this is where I need to be, how that looked exactly. But we know that he didn't go right away. It took him, I want to say, what, two or three more days to get to their house. And at that point, Lazarus had died. And he wept. It says that he wept. Mary, Martha or Mary said to him, like, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus didn't get mad at her, but he also didn't apologize for not getting there when they asked, right? He stood, this was the choice that I made, and it was the choice I felt was best. And I also see the impact that it had, and I can love on you. And he wept with them, right? And part of me, as I pondered this of like, if being perfect means being perfectly aligned, perfectly knowing yourself and showing up honestly and considering all people around you, if that's perfection, if the savior wasn't positive that he was going to resurrect Lazarus and that's why he felt so heartbroken because it was this, like, I made this choice because I felt this was where I was called to be at this moment but I also meant that I lost my friend, but then to go forward and feel, okay, maybe this is part of the plan. Heavenly Father, we're aligned. I can raise Lazarus from the dead and that's gonna help my ministry. All right, we're gonna do it, you know? So this idea of working as the body of Christ, showing up honestly, doing our roles the best that we know how, acknowledging the impact that we have And also realizing like there's flexibility, there's room for growth and change and working together and seeing a different perspective as we go forward, working with other people, but removing that shame of having to done it just right or perfectly or flawlessly, because I don't know, I kind of have this dream that becoming like God means that he's solid in the laws that govern our universe and he knows that well enough, but there are still things that are surprising to him, right? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like that would be a pretty monotonous eternity if it's like, I literally know all the things (laughs) right now. I I feel like there's got to be an element of exploration and And surprise and absolutely. I I agree with that. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Not needing to know it all. That's a really interesting take on that story. And I really appreciate that. And as you were speaking about that, I was even thinking, 
if that were me, I would want to jump to explain myself and defend myself. Well, this is why it was very pure intentions and I did these things right. And as a perfect being, he, he just like you said, he wept with them and he, he made space for their feelings without, because he'd honored himself for so long, he didn't need to defend himself. He could very much make space for his feelings and theirs and just allow it to be show up honestly, like you said. And repair, I guess, weeping with them, I don't know if that's exactly repair, but he allowed them to weep and feel without jumping in to defend himself. And I think that's really beautiful, too. He took ownership of the fact that he chose not to go. Absolutely. Right? So instead of, because that's the reality, is if he were to be like, well, I did this, I did this, I did this, he wouldn't be taking ownership. But because I chose this, the reality is Lazarus died, right? right? Yeah. And so to say, I made this choice and Lazarus died. And I'm so sorry. My heart is broken for you, right? But right. not sorry that I made this choice. Right. Sorry. Sorry that your heart is broken, that you miss your brother. I do too. Like you were saying, we don't have to take ownership of... What is it? We take ownership of the actions that we made, right? The choices that we made, but we don't have to take ownership of maybe stories that are put on us. Like he didn't take ownership of the Pharisee stories that they put on him, right? He Mm -hmm. could still have compassion and mercy and empathy for them, but he didn't believe the stories. He didn't have to explain himself. Martha and Mary could have been like, you weren't a good friend. I don't think that's what they said, but (laughs) you weren't a good friend. You didn't show up, da, da, da. And so instead of taking ownership of that, that's what happens, right? Is we take ownership of the stories that other people are telling us. You didn't care. You didn't do this. And then that's when we feel the need to defend rather than staying solid in the story of you're right. This is the action I chose. This is the choice that I made. And this is where I'm at. And it had impacts and that's true. And I can, I can feel empathy for that. I don't have to take on though that I wasn't caring, that I didn't wasn't concerned or didn't want to be here because that's not true either. Right? Absolutely. So knowing what to take ownership of, and I think that that's boundary work <laughs> that I'm working on right now. Yeah. Boundaries are so hard, but knowing who we are and knowing who other people are and where that space differentiates is really challenging, but I think that that will help to separate what is mine to own and what do I not need to take ownership of. Absolutely. Oh, I love so many layers of that. I don't even know where to go from there. It was just so powerful. I think just the thing that came up as you were speaking to that was the narratives, just not getting lost in the narratives of others or even ourselves, not overly attaching to a narrative by taking ownership of somebody else's narrative, that's not necessarily our truth, Mm -hmm. very likely not our truth. And it can muddy the waters. And if you can just let that go and again, it goes to that big picture or trying to show up honestly, or just taking ownership. That's really all that we can do in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Kind of distinguishing when people are, as you're saying this, this is something that I am, it just made me, I was like, oh yeah, that's what I can work on. Like implement is 
when someone tells me something, when they're trying to hand me something, and I maybe feel that shame or guilt asking myself, if they're like, this is what you did, this was what you made me feel or whatever, they're telling me what my intent was, I can ask myself, was that actually my intent? Was my intent to harm? Yeah. No, it wasn't. Okay, so they're putting on an inaccurate story but the reality being, I still made this choice and I can see that they're sad. So I don't have to take ownership of the fact that they're telling me my intent was to harm, right? Because that kind of connects it to our personhood, to our hearts, to our souls, what we were trying to do. But if we can, like you were saying, remove it from that piece, that truly who we are and instead have it be more of. I can take ownership of the impact of these surface levels because my intent truly was not to harm. Right. So if that, if that was my intent and if I want to show up honestly and they're telling me that they're sad, what can I do now? I don't have to go into shame spiral or take back what I did in the past. Instead, I can say, I can see that this harmed you and I, I didn't want that. So how can I go forward? Right. Absolutely. And it's, that's, it's that collaboration together, being willing to collaborate, but it is, it's super vulnerable, super vulnerable, very elusive and subtle sometimes because mm-hmm. narrative, another way to just say that is their story. Of course, we're going to each have different stories. Of course, we're going to often be the heroine in our own story. Not always. Generally, we know that we have good intentions and likely our spouse, whoever that might be, the other side, sees us at times as the villain. Let's be honest. Right. Sometimes that happens. And that's that's hurtful when you know that you didn't have this intent to harm. But still, I love how you go back to this because I'm really passionate about it too. Still taking ownership for the impact that it made. Still right. repairing in even the smallest way because there is generally something that we can do and I'm constantly working on this because this is hard when I know that I didn't mean to harm Mm -hmm. it's it's vulnerable like you said it's humbling right and I think I think that that's the difficult part to navigate is like when we feel those pangs of guilt or humility Mm -hmm. right accompanied to that is humiliation right so instead of taking this opportunity to be humbled into a place of humiliation, what can I do there? How can I change that story in my head so that it's beneficial to me and it's beneficial to this person, right? Because I think lots of times for myself, going back to that one up, one down, if I were to get feedback, it was like, oh crap, I'm the worst, I'm the worst wife, I'm the worst this, so then I'm super hard on myself Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, I'm not taking accountability, not really, but I am going into a place of humiliation, right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm the worst. Like I, I don't even want to be seen right now, but if we can recognize, like I'm feeling embarrassed, I'm feeling humiliated. And that stems from a positive place, from a place of humility. Oh, it's because I got something wrong that I really wanted to get right. Yeah. Right. So recognizing that goodness in us, I really wanted to get this right. And I fell short and that hurts. And this is an opportunity 
for me to do it right this time. Right. Right. Like instead of turning it into the humiliation saying, okay, okay, this does hurt. (laughs) My heart hurts. And mostly it's because this was my intent. I wanted us to feel closer. I, and I may have done it in a selfish way and I didn't realize, and now you're giving me this information that's showing me and kind of shining a light on some uncomfortable aspects of myself that I would rather not see. But if my intent, which I hope really truly is my intent to, is to collaborate and to draw closer to you, then I will be more willing to step into the light because Mm -hmm. that's what God is. He is truth and he is light. So how much are we willing to expose ourselves in that light? I hope you enjoyed part two of Kenzie Evans' interview. Stay tuned for part three coming up. It's not going to disappoint. You are going to love it, as I'm sure you've already loved the first two. These are just nuggets of wisdom that I've enjoyed incredibly. Like I said in the first one, she is an old soul with deep wisdom, and I truly value her insights. I know this is going to bless your life like it has mine. And I can't wait for part three coming up next. And just as a reminder, sign up for our Costa Rican women's and men's wellness retreat June 16th through the 22nd of 2024. There are still a few spots left, so go and grab those before they are gone. Christmas time is fast approaching, and this would make an incredible gift. If you want people to be able to recharge their life and reclaim the beauty that is within instead of living just half alive, this is the way to do it. And can you imagine getting that gift on Christmas when everyone's starting to feel cabin fever and January and February are coming when it's typically difficult to look forward to things and a struggle? Knowing that they have that coming up is the best gift that you can give. But if you sit on it, those spots will be gone. So sign up now. And just a quick refresher on that. This includes the most picturesque, beautiful villa than you can even imagine overlooking the ocean. So beautiful in majestic Costa Rica. And as an extra bonus, Kenzie will also be there. That was just on this interview teaching yoga and her insights as well. You will also participate in the most memorable experiences of your life. From things like snorkeling with sea turtles, sailing on this gorgeous ocean, hot springs with volcanic mud baths, waterfall hikes, zip lining, horseback riding, and so much more. It will feed your soul in ways you cannot even imagine until you experience it. And I promise you that I will put everything I have into making sure that this is an unforgettable transformative experience for you or a loved one. So go ahead and sign up now on fulfillmenttherapy.org and bring a loved one with you. Bring your best friend, bring your sister, whoever it might be, and grow together. Thank you for joining us today on Fulfillment Therapy and being part of this incredible interview. Please share it with those that would benefit. And if you haven't done so already, please take a moment to leave a review on this podcast so that we can continue to spread those positive ripples. Shine boldly and brightly, and I'll see you back here soon with Kenzie Evans.
If this podcast has helped you gain the insights and skills needed to propel you towards transformation and joy, the number one way to help me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcast. Like you, I'm striving to become my higher self by helping others thrive. And I do that most effectively if you use your influence and give a review. Share this episode with a friend or share it on social media and let others know how it has helped you. I would be so very grateful and excited that we're creating positive ripples in so many lives. If you want to connect, you can find me on Fulfillment Therapy on Facebook and Instagram or go to fulfillmenttherapy.org. Thanks for listening and shine boldly and brightly, my friends.